Instead of nourish yourself, you numb yourself. So that's when online shopping comes in, drinking comes in, you know, eating junk food, all these things that you're kind of like, oh, I need a lifter, I would say. I need a lifter. Welcome to season four of the Tapping Into podcast. This is a podcast where we explore different spiritual, natural and alternative ways to heal our lives. My goal is to help support you in your journey, whatever stage that may be. In this season, we're digging a bit deeper into the emotions and traumas that often kickstart or accelerate our healing journey. We discuss shame, sex, death, burnout, Ayurveda, breathwork, flower essences, rituals, and embodiment, all with a bit of science to back it up at the end. I really hope you enjoy this season. Welcome to today's episode of Tapping Into. I hope you've been enjoying the previous episodes from this season and the three seasons prior. In today's episode, I talk to one of my Tapping Into Motherhood members, Flick Taylor, all about burnout. This is the topic I'm really keen to cover because I don't think we know enough about what burnout is, what the symptoms are, and I think we're all, you know, potentially on the verge of epidemic status for parents all across the globe. Flick Taylor is a freelance writer talking about mental health, well-being and burnout. With a background in hospital play therapy and being a mum to two teenage boys in Canada, Flick brings a unique perspective to spark the much-needed everyday burnout conversations we all need to hear. Her passion for burnout arose when she found herself as a mental health writer struggling with extreme burnout. Yes, the irony is not lost on her. This led Flick to blog candidly and share her experience and recovery. Flick went on to host three seasons of Everyday Burnout Conversations podcast, an honest podcast that shares the everyday burnout stories of others from all walks of life as they tackle or avoid burnout by prioritising their mental health and well-being. So if you want to learn more about Flick, follow her on Instagram at Flick Taylor Writes. Check out her blog, flicktaylor.com, and that's F-L-I-C. Listen to Everyday Burnout Conversations podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And after this episode, she emailed me to say that she spent the rest of the day writing her book layout. So listen to the episode and you'll understand what this means. We're all cheering her on from the sidelines. Enjoy this chat and do jump into my DMs and let me know what you found interesting, whether you had any light bulb moments or what you might start doing as a result of this chat. Do pass it on to friends and family members who you think could use this information too. Enjoy. Hi Flick and welcome to the Tapping Into podcast. Oh, Sarah, it's so lovely to be here. I love your podcast. You know I adore your work. Like it, is, it has made such an impact on my life and certainly my burnout recovery. Oh, do you know, because you asked me to be on your podcast, then you got really interested in tapping and then you joined my membership and then I asked you to 
come into our self-care challenge month in April 2022 and talk about burnout and it was that conversation that I thought oh my god we need to take this to a wider audience more people need to be having this conversation more awareness needs to be on what burnout actually is I didn't even realize it and I've possibly been there and done that and not even acknowledged it you know so um it was such a wonderful conversation that we had within the membership and that is why you're here today with me and you know what Sarah like I was a mental health writer like I was writing about mental health full time like a lot of hours as well I still didn't see the warning mm. sign and this is why it's so important to talk about it because I don't want anyone to ever go to the extent I did um but those listening now like tune in and really sit and take this in because you know I didn't <laughs> I missed the signs so yeah and that's kind of like major irony there isn't it you know you were a health mental health writer copywriter pouring everything into supporting other people through the output that you were creating, but totally frazzling and burning yourself in the process. Yeah, I can remember um, in 2019, um, the World Health Organization um, put out a statement saying um, they recognized it as a medical condition, as an occupational phenomenon, and the fact that you know people aren't managing their stress at work and it's affecting their health. And I can remember writing about that. And when I look back, darling, I would have been well on my way to burning out, but I still didn't clue in. I was so focused on doing the work and balancing my life and, and meeting the needs of everyone else. I didn't sit back and go, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, this is me. I know. Yeah. yeah. So let's go back a step before yeah. the burnout and what you were doing and where you are now and, and talk to us a little bit about you. Yeah, so, okay, so basically, I'm a Brit living in Canada. I've been here 18 years now, which is bonkers to me, because I literally thought I'd come, stay six months, you know, have a cup of tea, have a little bit of fun, and then go back home, and then carry on my career as working in hospital play therapy, and helping children with life-limiting, life-threatening conditions, and a little bit of palliative. I thought, let's just, because I married a Canadian, and I was like, you know what, let's go and try Canada. And I thought, I'll try it, and then I'll move back, and I'll have my family, it's all good. But life doesn't work like that, does it? And so, you know, I have my first son, and I'm like, yeah, we'll go back, because it's still, you know, I don't feel this is my home. Um, and then I have my second son and then you go into survival mode and I'm like, literally, I've got these boys that are taller than me now. And I'm like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. what do you mean I can't get Marmite on toast? What's going on? So I, I share that because I now reflect and think, oh, you know, sometimes um, where you're planted can have an effect on you you know um so yeah I'm a mom two teens um I in Canada I've been writing uh doing copywriting content writing and um 
I started working for some startups doing community management, social media, and then that led to me getting a job as a full-time writer for a mental health startup. And I thought, oh, this is going to be brilliant. Like I was so excited because I thought this is my skill set, you know, with all my experience of helping families in, in, you know, traumatic situations. I thought, oh, this is great. Like I've got all facets of life here. I can really pour that into my writing and I really enjoy putting energy into my writing um, and it was fabulous it was fabulous but anyone listening to this who's worked in a startup will also probably nod their head to the fact that you know it's very easy to just get on that work train and you just work all hours because there's always something to be done Mm. And because I was writing for people with mental health um, concerns, like what better joy can you get than thinking you can help someone? So it was, you know, it's interesting how you can burn out doing something you love. You know, I don't want to just think burnout is top CEOs or people in, you know, difficult city. Mm. Absolutely. You can be doing it, doing something you absolutely love and adore. And also in thinking about the last two years, the, the, the nurses and the doctors and all the people who are life-saving are in, in a chronic state of burnout now, aren't they? There's, a, there's just been a report here saying, you know, the, the healthcare um, sector, like everyone is just on their knees, which is no surprise. You know, what people have had to endure day after day after day, um, not being able to have that recovery time. Um, I'm not surprised, you know, people are burnt out. And also teachers, you know, they had to pivot and do online learning. They were doing that while managing their own children. A lot of teachers are really burnt out and leaving you know, leaving the sector. And I think we're all kind of in a bit of a crisis. And then there's obviously the great resignation era where, you know, people are saying like so many people are, you know, they've had a time to kind of go, hang on a minute, this doesn't even float my boat. Like, what am I doing? Um, So I think a lot of people have kind of got a toe dipped in the pool or a foot, or they fully submerged in the burnout pool. Oh, their whole body, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to your, you were giving everything in something that you yes. loved and you were feeling fulfilled by it. Um, what were the symptoms and when? how did you even get to recognise eventually that you were burning out? Yeah, it's funny. I, I really, I was thinking about this before chatting today and I thought, you know, one of the main reasons I didn't see, I say like I wore burnout blinders um, was because I put so much effort into my work. It was called for and it was asked for, but I didn't put the boundaries in and say, I'm only human and I'm only doing this amount. And because I was working such long hours, Sarah, I would then, almost, I, I felt guilty for my family and I would overcompensate. So that would mean, you know, I would get up four in the morning, sometimes three, to try and do as much work as I could so that then I then could go on to my my son's baseball games. I could go to every activity because I felt like I didn't want to be, I didn't want to miss out on those. Yeah. Um, and so you can see here, like, you know, I was just working all the hours for work 
And there was imposter syndrome in there as well. I'm going to throw that in there with a second. <laughs> um, there was imposter syndrome um, and, you know, certain personalities and yeah, you know, a lot was on that table there. And then I felt guilty as a mum because I thought, oh, I've never worked this hard before. I need to, I don't want them to think I'm, you know, just ignoring them. So I would do all their games. I never, ever had any time for myself. Um, and, and you didn't so even sleep a full night. No. And you know what? I only just realized this because um, you know how you have your Apple Health um, iPhone information? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I never paid attention to any of that because, you know, I didn't have time. And I was, I just, I was in another headspace. Yeah. Recently, I had to look at all my data because we were fiddling with, with watches and swapping phones around the family. And I looked and I saw my data between September 2019 and December 2019. So we're only talking three months. And that's before the pandemic hit. And I really had to get working. Wow. My average sleep was three hours and 43 minutes. Oh, my God. I read that and I burst into tears. Mm. Because now I can appreciate, like, if a friend turned to me, and say, oh, here we go, Flick. I'm, I'm only sleep. I'd be like, oh, darling, come on, let, let's sort this out. Like, this is not sustainable. This is not healthy. But I didn't even tune into it. That you know? I know. I mean, that that's just exhaustion beyond exhaustion, isn't it? To be operating a full jo time job and a full time, you know, mother role yeah. on three and a half hours sleep. Yeah. And there's there's a there's um Oprah Winfrey's life coach Martha Beck has has talked about that actually you know a hundred years ago we were getting a third or more sleep than we than wow. we do now and actually we are meant to sleep a lot more than we deem normal and deem acceptable so it's not seven hours it could be eight nine ten hours that we need you know yeah, yeah. and then you're getting half of that less than half of that so yeah. it's not like you weren't, weren't just getting the normal sleep you know you were we, we should be getting more than that anyway yeah yes I'm not surprised and when you think of the seasons as well like you know we don't I certainly didn't allow my body to follow the seasons so I didn't hibernate I didn't like kind of restore I just was like I'm going to be in full bloom all year round, every day, 16 hours a day. Was, you know, I just was so focused on that. Yeah. And yeah. So the symptoms. Um, mm, yeah. I, so, you know, because I talk about, you know, I literally felt like I was just striking matches to, and throwing them on the bonfire. And it was like these, all these matches I was just striking, the bonfire's getting bigger and bigger. So I would say like I was definitely exhausted and running on empty. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't take breaks. I didn't listen to my body. I didn't, I, I didn't allow myself to sleep because I'd be thinking, yeah. okay, I need to do that report and that brochure needs to be done. And then we've got to get that blog out. So I will do this and I'll get up. And, you know, I'd be doing that at weekends as well. So definitely running on empty and the problem is with that it's very easy to get into a cycle of self-loathing because that inner narrative 
starts to tap in and go, "Mm, but why is it taking you four hours to write a blog? Why is it taking, you know, instead of taking a break, that self-loathing voice, the inner narrative popped in. Um, And I took, you know, no joy, um, all the things I used to enjoy, I, I didn't, I didn't participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I, you know, looking back, like I withdrew from my friends um, because you've got that that badge of busyness. Like, oh, I can't make that dinner. I'm just so busy. Mm. And it becomes a badge of honour. That It's actually praised in some sectors, you know. Of course, yeah, yeah. You worked at, oh, I was three in the morning. Oh, good for you. Mm. It, you know, it show, it, it's almost perceived as, you know, loyalty to the company and oh you're doing great when actually no you're burning yourself out um I would say you know I also lost my voice like I didn't uh go to the meetings and voice any of my opinions or thoughts I started to believe that um, I just didn't know anything that I was rubbish at my job. Um, again, that in the narrative was very loud. Um, if I, you know, if I, I don't know, if I'd made a mistake, if I, even a silly little typo, um, I would just criticize myself so heavily because I felt like I had to be beyond perfect. Mm. Um, and I would, I would never have, um, inflicted that on any of my co-workers I was often like hey we're only human it's okay I would build them up but the more I built them up it's almost like the lower I became and I really did chip away at myself and it's that apathy um so no self-confidence and no boundaries I never once said that's unreasonable or I can't do that I will get that to you in three days time Mm. I would just smile nod I had a reputation for coming to the table with a smile and making everyone feel better and instead of going to the table going hey guys I'm absolute cream crackered (laughs) I I would keep up that pretense but it it kept taking the energy from me such a spiral isn't it it is it really is and so you know, there's that ap- apathy there that, you know, no self-worth, no self-confidence. Um, oh, and I just worked around the clock. As I said, I would get up at three in the morning. I can remember over the summer holidays, um, you know, my boys were at age where they weren't, they weren't interested in going to camps and they would kind of do things themselves, but at the same time they wanted to go out. So I would get up at two and do a day's work before they woke up and then I would take them out and we all know your green light's always on you're terrified to have your green light off aren't you so I would be answering messages and whatever during the day I'd be at the beach answering messages Mm -hmm. and then I'd go home and do the catch-up oh my goodness and then obviously go to bed for a few hours and then start again and I honestly I promise you I honestly thought oh I'm being a good mum I'm doing the best I can. I'm do, being a good employer, employee and I'm being a good mum. I, I did not even come into it that, well, what are you doing to yourself? So no. the, the normalisation of, so what you were experiencing, you just normalised and, you know, wrote, wrote off almost as this is the best I'm, this I am absolutely doing the best that I can. 
And obviously when you say yes to everything, um, then it's all gonna stack up, isn't it? And you have to fit it in. So you kind of feel like you have no choice but to get up at two in the morning and and do that work. And, and mm-hmm. But not realizing that that isn't normal. It's not normal. I can remember yeah. um, a manager, I, I just delivered a load of content, blogs, brochures, whatever. And um, the manager had reviewed them and said, oh my gosh, like you are a machine. And honestly, Sarah, I was like, ooh, phew, phew. That's the imposter syndrome speaking. I was like, phew, they don't know what it took me to do that. They think I'm good. That's fine. I didn't then, looking back, if I'd gone, okay, I've delivered that, but that was, we can't have it on on a short deadline like that again. We need to take it over, you know, this amount of weeks or whatever. I didn't do that. No boundaries. I was like, okay, phew that's done they think I'm a machine brilliant and let's unpick this a little bit where where did the belief um shift for you when did you start when did the inner voice become critical and and you know because obviously you were in other job in the UK before you went over you were doing you know the social media content stuff before into this job was it this job that shifted was it this not feeling good enough for this role that started it? Yeah, it's almost like the perfect storm of, I would say, perimenopause for sure. I think that was was in the teacup. I would say, um, yeah, perimenopause, new job, not feeling, um, not feeling at home. I have a lot of energy. I'm quite warm. I kind of like to engage people. And we had a switch of content direction. And somebody said, we want the content to be less warm and engaging. We need it to be more business to business and and more professional. And I, instead of going, oh, the data proved the engaging content for people. Mm -hmm. Stuff I was doing was good. They wanted to take it in a different direction. And if only I'd have the confidence to go, okay, well, that's who I am as a writer. Maybe I'm not meant to be here anymore. I'll go over here. I didn't. Mm. I was like, okay. You tried to fit into the new mold. I tried to fit, fit in the box. Yeah. So I would say there's that element. Um, and... And was there um, a lack of confidence, you know, post children in the workplace, do you think as well? I wouldn't say that, but I, you know what I would say, Sarah, is that as my kids had got older, you know how when they're little, it's very physical, isn't it? It's all about like changing the nappies and lifting them up and hoisting them in the bathroom, and then, you know, and you're constantly like physically dealing with them. Mm. When kids get older, it becomes more about the conversations at the dinner table, discussing the moral. You're just gently guiding them and you're yeah. kind of guiding them to make those safe mistakes, as it were. So they <laughs> learn. You constantly, you know, it's, it becomes more of a a mental and emotional um, approach to parenting. And for some reason, um, and maybe it was writing the mental health stuff as well, for some reason I started to really reflect on myself and and 
how I was as a kid and it it was interesting I was starting to it was almost like a wound was opening up and I was like ah there was there was stuff I needed to process yeah yeah there's there's an element of that there was a triggering a little Mm. yes and I can remember speaking to my doctor as well because I kept going to my doctor for various weeks so I'd start off with I've got stomach I've got gastro problems I, I, you know, I think that I'm getting anxiety. Like I was labeling these things as opposed to just going, whoa, here's my symptoms. What is that? Yeah. I felt I knew. And she said to me, you know, when you work in the mental health sector, you have to really look after yourself. Like it can take a toll on you because you're helping other people, but it, it takes a piece from you as well. So I would say it was like this perfect storm mm. to this. And then these, these symptoms, so you started to get physical ailments as a result of the lack of sleep. And I presume you weren't feeding yourself nutrition, you know, like, you know, it, you weren't looking after yourself in that way. No. And I think it's really important to shine a light on the fact that, you know, when you're not eating well, when you're not sleeping, when you're not doing those basic human needs that we all need um I like many others because I have spoken to others you tend to instead of nourish yourself you numb yourself so that's when online shopping comes in drinking comes in you know eating junk food all these things that you're kind of like oh I need a lifter I would say I need a lifter so I would spend two minutes and I'd order something online or I need a lifter. I would drink all the coffee to get me through and keep me going on that adrenaline. And then I, I would stop and I'd think, well, I've only got like five hours to sleep. So I would have a couple of glasses of wine to try and, you know, bring myself down. And I can remember being kind of taken aback. It just goes to show how you go into this, you know, mindset. It's almost like you, you're having an out-of-body experience. Because <laughs> I remember speaking to my doctor, and I can be very frank with her. She's fabulous. And I said, oh, I'm good. Like, you know, I, I have coffee, and that keeps me going. And then, oh, honestly, I just have a couple of glasses of wine before I go to bed. And she was like, you know, that's not actually going to help you. <laughs> I couldn't think of, huh? which is ridiculous because here I am writing articles on watching, you know, how alcohol can exacerbate anxiety. I'm doing all the theory, but it's like I am not present in my own body or life, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you literally jumped out of the vessel and the vessel was just operating by itself. That's what it is. Oh my God, that's what it is, darling. And so (laughs) when I did that, it was you name it, it was, oh my gosh, like chest pains, heart palpitations, but surprise, surprise, like when you drink five cups of coffee, Um, and shortness of breath, like I would walk my son to the school bus stop here, and one day we were running late, and I ran, (laughs) it's not far, darling, literally I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna throw up, I felt like I'd run a marathon, I literally had to bend over and take some deep breaths, and then all these parents are looking at me, I'm thinking, oh, it's not right, is it? So like, you know, I had all of that going on. There was definitely the gastrointestinal problems, headaches, um, you know, sleep problems, the brain fog 
was really stepping up then. And instead of going, oh, I need a break, I was, oh, there's a problem with you. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And it, instead of kind of being compassionate and wanting to take a break, I pushed myself even harder because it was like I was trying to outrun this internal narrative. I think so many people will relate to that actually. And especially in the perimenopause early days when you maybe aren't aware or there's no recognition of the perimenopause symptoms. Yes. And I think if you just understood that the brain fog, for example, was a symptom of a change in your body, that compassion may have been allowed to surface. Yes, because that's another thing I didn't, I didn't even acknowledge I was in perimenopause. Um, I was just like, oh, my periods are heavy. Oh, it must be, you know, my unhealthy lifestyle. Ha, 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 ha. You, you know what I mean? I didn't even go, oh, hang on a minute. Is this normal? Is there something going on? Yeah. It's, it's just interesting that this happens so often. We become so disassociated with our body and we don't listen to the signs. We don't pay any attention. We don't see what's going on because we are in this internal hamster wheel and we're living in our mind and our body's screaming at us. So your body was screaming at you, wasn't it? And what happened towards the end? Because there was a big blowout wasn't there yeah there really was I just I mean the pandemic happened there was a call for a lot more mental health content um you know when I put my hat on of wanting to help people I'm like oh my gosh everyone's struggling let me get as much content out there as possible to help people understand what's happening and meanwhile like I was just crumbling I really was um you know I was very cynical I you know I'm quite an upbeat person and I kind of, you know, I've always grown up with humour. I lost all sense of humour. So there was nothing left. I had heart attack symptoms and that scared me. Um, and now looking back, my intuition, my inner voice was saying, you're all right, but quit. Um, I went to my doctor and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm, you've got to help me. I think I'm having a heart attack. Like, what's wrong? I'm only 43 <laughs> and she was like that's it Felicity no more no more I, I, as your healthcare professional no more like how can you quit this you, like you have to and I was at that point I was always able to go oh you know what I'll be all right it's just a bad month it's just a bad week I actually sat and went yeah okay okay and so I I, I actually had a moment as well where I went home. I can get really emotional about it still. It's interesting, isn't it? So I went home. I, I don't know. Was I cleaning my teeth? Was, I was doing something in the bathroom. And I sat down on the ledge of the bathtub because, like, physically, I just had nothing left. Yeah. And that's when I thought, hang on a minute. I don't, what, what, what's my worth? That my boy, like, my family would be better off without me. I'm useless. Now I can't even do a bloody job. I'm useless. They Aww. would be better off without me. And I, I literally, good old cry. And then I just was like, it's like I stepped back into my body. And I was like, what the fluff? Like, <laughs> hang on a minute. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was just, you know, wow. like, oh, my 
my god are you now yeah have you just had that thought you're stepping into suicidal ideation like what is going on yeah and it i'm so it was such a an interesting moment i've Mm. i've never experienced anything like it and it was like i'd i'd step back up it's like your higher self just went that's it that's it no i'm coming down i'm gonna sort you out (laughs) it's so true wake up wake up like what on earth are you doing love jesus yeah and so it really scared me Mm. um and that's why I thought oh my god like yeah something's gonna have to happen here and I went for a walk with my friend Sarah she's a a coach an executive coach and we were just walking and chatting and she said Flick when are you gonna take a bet on yourself because I was like oh I don't know if I can leave like I need to earn and what what will this be like for my career what will people say because you don't you go to that that point yeah of course and love yourself Mm. and she said flick I'd bet on you like over and over again and I thought okay and then I went home I said to my husband um I think I think I'm gonna have to leave I but are we gonna be okay if I don't work because I was freelance you know there's no holiday sick pay whatever and you know he just said yeah darling we're not going to be okay if you don't and so that moment I was like right resignation in and that contract and I honestly thought it would be three weeks in bed watching Netflix eating chocolate buttons and cups of Yorkshire gold I thought that'll do medicine of choice <laughs> and it, it just it's like you peel back the layers of a rotting onion like it's just it took me I I'm just shy of two years of doing wow. yeah, putting that resignation in. And um, I'm a lot, lot better. And I've done things for myself. Um, but I'm now at the point where I'm like, I need to go back to earn. And I'm terrified, Sarah, because I'm like, I, how can I trust myself to go back mm. and do that? And not do the same thing have the boundaries yeah because obviously for the you know I literally stayed in bed for three weeks um watching Netflix eating chocolate buns drinking tea (laughs) that was all I did um and then I started to feel a bit better and I I couldn't even at that point I completely dismissed myself as a writer as anything I, I I was very much I'm useless um so I just read, I just started reading and I read a lot. Um, and then, you know, you kind of go through the seasons. And I, meanwhile, I'm also supporting my boys doing online learning because mm-hmm. COVID hit and in Canada, like, you know, everything is shut down. So supporting them doing online learning, reading. Um, and as time, it was like the months were flying by and I just knew I'm not ready. I'm not ready, but for the first time, I would say I was trusting my intuition and trusting the process. I actually, instead of, because I'm usually trying to fix everything, I'm usually trying to, yeah, like, you know, oh, we've got a power cut for three days. That's okay. I'm going to clean the fridge and the freezer. Need to do it anyway. I will always make the best of a dilemma. Mm -hmm. This time I was like, I just need to it 
so I did that and then um to the point where I was like you know it's such a shame to not like I had friends going you know we miss reading your stuff like you're good flick and I was like yeah but I'm not funny anymore I'm not me anymore um and I didn't you have to remember as well I would look in the mirror I'd also put on 40 pounds of weight in two years and so to me I didn't even look like myself yeah you know when I would you know how you you know you're so loo, you wash your hands you look in the mirror and I was just like who is that you know um so I then really questioned myself and what I was going to do um missing home surviving the pandemic like so much on on you know in that basket at the time and um I had some I decided to go and do some coaching with a writer because I basically wanted to ask her I really respected her loved her writing did this brief stint of coaching with her and just was basically like love can you tell me if this is any good because I don't know it might just be a load of shit (laughs) she she was like no you're a writer you can write like this right let's start to build up so then I and then at that point I was like I don't even know what I write about she was like well I think you got a few things (laughs) it's quite obvious isn't it funny because I have always said to you I've it's like I've seen in advance you with a book, your own book. And I just totally assumed that you had a book. I know. And every time you say it, I'm like, oh, I need to get on that. Yeah. <laughs> seen it. It's a vision. It is. It's it's like it's a, from the first time I met you, you've had a book in your hand. It's like mad. <laughs> And I, yeah, I, it was only when, you know, you had to point out to me, like, I actually don't have a book, Sarah. I'm like, really? Like, I really didn't know. I know every time it, it lifts me, I'm like, okay, maybe yeah, I can. So it is coming. It's there. <laughs> it's obviously there, ready to be birthed. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so I started writing um, about my burnout. I'm being very honest. I have actually no problem being honest um, about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and p- purely from the, the point of, if I put this out, maybe someone who I believe, I put a lot of energy into my writing. I believe that it. I send it off into the world with the hope it's going to land in the lap of someone who needs to read it. That's all you can hope for. Yep know what I mean like that's all I feel you know that's my aim so I I wrote a series I think it's like six or seven like essays and just press publish and like literally had a good cry and thought well, what have I just done um a lot of shame and guilt comes into it and a lot of um you know it's harder for an older generation to understand it's been interesting some people's responses very unhelpful as well Mm -hmm. um if you're supporting someone with burnout please think about what you're going to say (laughs) it can really do a lot more damage and it can actually make people feel very unseen very unheard and they've already got an inner narrative saying they're they're useless what's wrong with them they're weak they're vulnerable extremely vulnerable and i see this so much with new mums the the midwives and the carers at the time when you are literally on the floor, you know, the most vulnerable, they can say things that 
destroy your motherhood experience and so that could be a similar thing here you know if somebody's on their knees already suffering from crippling anxiety maybe depression and 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 exhaustion depletion and if something is said to them it could absolutely you know re-traumatize or further prolong the recovery absolutely i mean some of those comments they yeah they sunk deep in my heart i i I, at that point i was like okay and found but that's where the awareness comes in and the education isn't it because that's why i suppose you went on to do that and to talk and and develop your podcast as well is so that more the more people talk about it the less shame there is because it this is a quite a normal thing it's you know it's not normal as in everybody goes through it but it's it's not some abstract rare disease that no one gets you know this is a common reaction to a stressful environment yeah absolutely you know what i've got some stats because i think it's really important when you feel you naturally feel very alone and isolated like completely alone and isolated so um and these are from mental health uk or reports that they have you know got on their website whatever so 79 percent of adults suffer from mild moderate or extreme symptoms of burnout at some point in their life which you know why aren't we talking about this more wow yeah um in 2020 no surprise the google searches for signs of burnout went up 150 percent like goodness knows what they are now you know they're going to be through the roof um and more than a third of women with children under 18 say balancing family life and like the difficulty in that is the reason of their burnout society is set up for women to be at home yeah like it's an archaic kind of structure what we've got yeah but we are we are now expected to within that structure to be working full-time to be parents full-time and to manage households and stuff like that and i know men are you know getting a lot better at equality in in that way but the system is not set up and that includes school school hours before and after care of school the nursery environment all that stuff and no wonder no wonder we struggle exactly and it's so important we understand and appreciate the signs the warning signs um, because this is interesting when asked to identify burnout symptoms 85% of UK adults correctly identified them, while 65% of those mistakenly identified some of those symptoms as anxiety. And I would say that's bang on because Uh, that's what I was going to my doctor with. I was saying, like, you know, am I depressed? Am I anxious? Like, I've never really been that anxious. And I've been in situations in the past when I was working in clinical hospital settings and community nursing. Like, you're in some life or death situations I was like why can't I deal with this like if I so I think that's that's interesting I'm an EFT tapping practitioner and trainer and I work with women all over the world helping them truly let go so they can shape their own future free of the conditioning and shackles of the past I've created a Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community where we meet monthly to tap on emotions and issues that are coming up for us, 
We have monthly full moon meditations with guest host Kelly Day. We enjoy guest speakers and I create a tapping or meditation for the month too. As well as that, you have access to a library of over 100 tapping videos, meditations, resources, courses, and more. And right now the doors are open for just a short period of time. So check out www.tappingformums.com forward slash join dash membership for all the details. And if the doors are closed when you visit, you can join a waitlist. On my website, you can also take my new motherhood self-care toolkit quiz to help you identify which part of your life needs a bit of extra self-care right now. Is it your mind, your emotions, your body or your soul? And if you have any questions, do email me sarah at tappingformoms.com. I think anxiety is a label that we attach on to like I didn't even know the term anxiety until I think in my early 30s um and then I subsequently realized I had been suffering from you know symptoms of (laughs) of that for a long time um but I think it's a broad brush term that we use to to label stuff when actually there is more specific things going on and if we actually were diagnosed properly then we would get the better support yeah and I think um as well having the awareness I wish I'd I'd known this or tuned into this a couple of years ago I think when you're an empathic person um when you're dealing with others helping others um you know if you're introverted I'm very high energy but I'm actually introverted like people drain me I have to monitor Mm. my time um what can tend to happen is you can internalize things and I wonder if that exacerbates I'll have to look into this I wonder if that exacerbates that internal narrative that plays very loudly through a megaphone Mm. and that's where you become more susceptible yeah Mm. I mean I reckon people who have had more trauma more trauma in their lives are going to have more negative belief system are then going to have more negative experiences that follow from that those pre prior experiences that then lead them to overcompensate people please um you know when people don't feel good enough um they they do what they can to make themselves feel good enough and if that's the you know overworking the giving the sacrifice it's sacrifice yes it is darling that's it you've nailed it that's definitely what I would have, but that's the square I, I was standing on for sure. And that's what you're worried about again, that you'll go back into sacrifice. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, yeah, I've done my recovery period. I, I I wrote about it. I then started to interview people um, for a podcast. I set it up, um, Everyday Burnout Conversations, because I wanted to chat to people about the fact that, you know, the everyday burnout, we're all exposed to it. And I've had some amazing conversations, including a phenomenal one with you. <laughs> um, and it's just been so interesting um, and very honest conversations, which I love. Like, oh, my gosh, we need a bit of honesty. Um, and so now I, I'm in a position where, you know, I need to go back and earn 
And as I say, you peel back the layers of an onion. <laughs> Quite a few of those layers are rotten. And you've got to like, you know, really look at what's, what's going on. And as you say, you're the belief system. And that mm. takes work. You know, I yeah. think if you look at burnout recovery as I'm just going to lie in bed, watch Netflix and eat chocolate buttons, there's a lot more to it. And you've got to be a lot more gentle with yourself because and you've got to rewrite those patterns of behavior because you to burn out, you never had any self-love for yourself, any self-worth, self-compassion. You've got to start to rewrite those those patterns. Um, and, you know, you need to look at boundaries with people. And that's something that's been I've had to do. Um, and so I've worked my way through this. And it's so interesting because you know, it's like when you learn to drive, the real, the real driving in the world is when you pass your test and then you go out there. That's when you really learn how to drive. I feel it's the same. Like, okay, I know what I now need to do. I know what I now need to set in my life. And then going out and just doing, a, you know, a few experiences I've I've fallen on my face again. I'm like, oh no, I mm. didn't set the boundary. It, it's going to take time for me practice. to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that's come to me there while you're talking. First of all, is that service does not need to equal sacrifice, oh, right? So, so you were servicing people with your writing. You were providing a service. You were helping people. But that does not need to come at a cost. Yes. And service should not equal sacrifice. Every listen, Remember this one, okay? Every yes. time you say yes to someone, you are saying no to yourself. Yes. Whoa. That's good. <laughs> I like that. That's from my business coach, coach Kirstie Kianaford. So I can't claim it. But... Um, when you say yes to someone, you say no to yourself. So every time you say yes, you go, okay, now just let me think about that for a moment. What am I going to then give up in yeah. order to say yes to that request? And uh, if that if that giving up is my lunch uh, where I sit down and I, I take the time to prepare myself something nutritious and I sit and eat it rather than grab on the go, well, am I willing to give up? my nutritious lunch time for myself for this request. And you can say yes, I'll say I'll do this once, but this is not going to be an everyday occurrence. Or you could say, well, actually, no, this is my time for my lunch time and I will fit it in in the afternoon. Oh, yes, absolutely. And when you're setting boundaries uh, with people, uh, I was shocked. I shouldn't have been. But I was like, <gasps> because when you do put those boundaries in with people, there's a kickback. And, and you know, I'm watching their facial expressions and I'm like, oh, my God, should I have done that? I shouldn't have done that. And you want to pull it back, don't you? You, <laughs> you have to remember they have mm. benefited from you having no boundaries. <laughs> They've taken enough. They've taken enough, but no wonder they're going, huh? Yeah, uh, that's not right because for many years they've benefited from that. Yeah. So all these little lessons, isn't there, Sarah? But I and do... also, you know, by you rising up and standing up for yourself, you give permission for them to do the same. So they're probably also not good on boundaries. So you know, 
when you put that boundary up, you're saying I am important and I am of, my time is of value. Yes. And I'm taking myself seriously now. And they have a choice to do the same or to, um, see people are triggered by your boundaries, right? But it's their issue. It's not yours. Exactly. And when I think it's really important for any mums, any parents listening to this, because, you know, it's hard to do this work on yourself. It's not for the faint hearted. You know, it takes a lot of courage and bravery. And I completely see that and honour that Um, by you doing this, you're modelling to your kids. And and I, I share this because my son, I mean, he's 15 now. So a couple of years ago, he would have been 13, wouldn't he? And um, he he wanted to do some jobs around the house, get some money. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, let's give them something, a little motivator while we're all stuck in lockdown. So I'm like, OK, perfect. You're on washing up duty and I'll pay you. And, you know, done. And he came back <laughs> with a three page contract on being paid because at that time that company had not paid me for three months and I thought here I am thinking I'm holding it all in I'm you know keeping it together he obviously had seen me and was and was like right okay here's my three-page contract of washing what I'm going to do when you're going to pay me and if you don't pay me this these are the like the consequences yeah and so I thought, oh, my God, if he's seeing that, okay, I need to show him how it is done. But that's an amazing interpretation from him, isn't it, actually? Like, that's a, actually a really beautiful message that he also values his time and wants to make sure that he is compensated fairly for it. Yeah. At 13, like, that's genius. Oh, it is. I know, it is. I mean, it's going to run rings around me. But I was like... Done, done and dusted. Yes. Amazing. This is, you know, there are days we both know this that working on ourselves, working to like it, it can be hard some days. Exhausting. Yeah. You know what? It it all builds to a a bigger picture. And I think it's all alone from us. Of course. Uh, What also came to my mind while we were having that conversation is you can't do it all by yourself, right? You cannot get out of the burnout hole by yourself. You need a team of people. You really do. It's important because obviously you need different perspectives. I'm very aware that when you're in burnout, you've got one lens. You've got one lens on the world and you listen to this terrible inner narrative. Um, It's very important to have people with different lenses and, and just be seen. You know, just have someone say, oh, that must have been so hard. It ju- it goes a long way because you think, yeah, it was. And then that helps build validation. Validation and having that self-compassion and just having someone. And th- this is why, you know, it's great to talk to friends. It's also great to talk to professionals. It's also great to learn new skills like your tapping. Mm. Like, that was huge for me. Huge and has helped me ever since. So let's you know, let's just talk about that. So obviously, I haven't actually um, asked you about how you found the tapping and how you use it and and stuff like that. So can you share? 
Oh, absolutely done. I mean, I can remember having that phenomenal podcast chat with you and just like falling off my chair like, a few times. Like, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I've just, you know, had things put into a different perspective. Um, and so, you know, I, and I resisted joining the membership because that old inner narrative of you're not earning, do you deserve this? Do you need this? You know, mm-hmm. thank goodness I ignored that after a couple of months and I joined and it's just been brilliant because it's such a lovely community. Um, again, it's been seen um, and accepted for who you are. That's that's lovely. Um, but the tapping has been really helpful in me dealing with that inner narrative. Um, and honestly, just recently, a couple of months ago, um, I had to call an ambulance. Oh, yeah. And and you know, it's out of the blue. My inner voice was like, he's okay. But I had to call an ambulance, my husband. And it's a Saturday morning, and I've got my boys there. The hospital play therapist in me is like, make sure everything is calm so they're not. <laughs> They're not as traumatized as these. Like, I was trying to keep a lid on everything, manage it. Mm-hmm. And I can remember going outside on the driveway and I was just watching the paramedics, who were brilliant, putting him into the ambulance, getting everything sorted. And I naturally found myself, like, doing this to my throat. I literally was just like... <gasps> and then that action, I was like, oh, Sarah's taught me well. So I started just tapping here. On the collarbones, yeah. I know, and so I did that, and I thought, okay. And then I went in the house, and I was like, okay, boys, you know, this is what's happened. Dad's going to be okay. This is what we're going to do next. They were very good, like, and I was like, you know, just do this because this will help calm your nervous system because this doesn't happen every Saturday. It's mm. okay to feel alarmed by this. It's okay to be worried. Well done. You know, I was able to talk them through, and we're doing this in the kitchen. it really really helped Sarah um and it's little things like that I mean not only did your membership teach me but then I was able to pass it on to my boys yeah maybe they'll be at school one day and one of them on the hard time they'll be like my mum taught me this (laughs) as in England to do like it's that lovely ripple Ripple. effect yeah isn't it amazing I find then I love when people have a really I know this sounds terrible but I love when people have like obviously a very heightened uh, fight flight freeze response and then they tap and they have a very immediate in the moment reduction of that adrenaline and the cortisol because that is ultimate proof for me and I love when people get to experience that because sometimes when I'm doing the tapping I'm getting you to think of a time when you felt you know, anxious or depressed or whatever. But when you're in the moment and the cortisol's pumping through you, that's obviously an amazing time to support yourself with that with that tapping. And what we're doing there and what you did was tell your brain that you're safe and allow you clarity, right? It gave you clarity and calmness to proceed with the next actions that you needed to, to go through. So it's amazing. 
Absolutely. And you have this wonderful presence, Sarah. Like whenever I talk to you, whenever I watch your tapping videos, whenever I see your social media, you just have this incredible presence in the world. Like it's phenomenal. So you're an absolute treat. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, When we met in the in the collective uh, in the membership a few months ago, you gave us a definition of burnout that I hadn't really um clocked you know and there was a part of it the personalization part that I see all the time depersonalization sorry and that worries me because I so depersonalization is losing your sense of self isn't it and not recognizing who you are anymore and um not doing your normal things or not not knowing yourself not knowing it not knowing what you even like well yes exactly and every every client I have is actually at that point and that's kind of interesting to me because I never ever associated it with burnout yeah that was um a psychologist and in 1975 Herbert Freudenberger and he coined the term burnout and he said um, it's depersonalization and emotional exhaustion and a decreased sense of accomplishment I mean every mom on the planet has that (laughs) (laughs) right now right now I mean, you know, we have had to lift and help and support so many of our, you know, because, you know, some women are, um, some parents, men and women, but, you know, we're raising families, we're supporting, you know, vulnerable loved ones, aging parents, we're trying to do a job, we're trying, you know, we're just, we're we're toast, we're toast. And I think so that those three things, absolutely. I'm sure a lot of people have one. A lot of people have two, quite a few have three. Yeah, and we don't even realise it. And our healthcare professionals, are they identifying it? I know. Probably not. Because if you're going to the doctor like I did, saying, oh, is it inside? I went for, is it, I think I need my blood checking. Instead of just going, this is what I feel. I went in having already kind of labeled, diagnosed myself, saying, yeah. is this right? And they'd be going, no. So, you know, but I think... And also sometimes they don't look at the, the full picture, um, you know, regarding stresses and things. And let's talk about the difference between burnout and stress, because everyone has an element, a level of stress. So where does the tipping point occur into that, like devastation of a drop off the cliff absolutely so when we when we think of stress it's usually associated with a situation or an event you know we've all had stress in regards to doing a presentation doing getting married project yeah a project a renovation yes mm. those situations and then when those situations ease or alleviate the stress tends to fade and go. Whereas burnout, I promise you, and I'm the living proof of this, burnout creeps into the room so slowly, you don't even see it. You know, oh, Anna Martha, we love Anna, don't we? Yes, we do. In her chat, 
she um, used an example, and I thought, oh, it's true. She said, oh, it's not very nice. It's not very humane. But you know those terrible experiments where they, um, they put a, if you put a frog in water, hot water, if you put a frog in water and then slowly boil, like, rise the temperature it just stays it gets it just stays and she said that's burner and I was like Whoa. oh god you don't see it coming you get used to it you say it's just a bad week it's just a bad month it's just a bad year it's just this job when I get better at it it's going to be okay it's just because it's just this year of school for them when they get a new teacher it'll be better like you put all these like you just kind of all these excuses all these reasons as and you just don't notice they're building up and they're building up and yeah it's it's it creeps into the room and it gets louder and louder did your husband notice it and were you having conversations about it so what about the people on the edge of and and you know thinking about friends or family members that each of us can think of now probably how how do we see it or or does it also creep up on them yeah you know what was interesting um when i did actually like literally crumble and collapse and then i later on wrote about it a lot of um my close circle read that and they were all like oh my god what was i doing i'm so sorry i'm so sorry yeah. but i'm like it's okay because I put on the best bloody mask I could find. You know, I wasn't completely yes. honest with them. Um, if I had a phone call with a friend, I wanted to know about them. I, I wanted to know what was going on in their life. I didn't want to discuss any of my burnout because uh, I felt so much guilt and shame about that I wasn't managing. Yeah. No, and it's so wrong because there I was writing about mental health and the importance of talking and sharing and there's no stigma. Like, let's get rid of this stigma. Let, I, I was going and giving presentations on this. But I wore a great mask and and I didn't want to... Yeah, I didn't want to pick at that wound. Mm, of course, because like you know that when you go there, there's quite a bit of an unravelling to do. Yeah, and and it's not just kind of a dip in and dip out. It's kind of a it's a big job. Okay, it can feel like a big job. It can feel overwhelming, can't yeah. it? It's where you need your village. Where and if you don't have an immediate village, you find them. And this is where the joy of social media, like as people like you putting out incredible content, you're doing memberships. You can find your village. You can yes. find your connections. We're very lucky for that these days. Yeah, and a lot of the support is free. You know, it's um, you know, you don't have to necessarily have money to access life-changing skills and things like so so let's talk about some of the a the symptoms and b the things you can put in place to support yourself the kind of you know the meditations and things like that so what are the main symptoms to look out for okay, i'm gonna run them down okay so yeah. chest pains heart palpitations shortness of breath okay really look at that you've got your gastrointestinal issues Okay, your stomach, like I had a terrible bloated stomach. Oh my God, I could hardly sit down. It was ridiculous. Um, headaches, jaw pain, because the tension is so intense. Um, changing appetite. Now I was a comfort eater. Some people are not going to eat. So yeah. there's an appetite. Um, sleep problems, brain fog. 
Cynicism, that's a big one. That's a real telltale when you just don't care. I can remember it was chatting with lovely Joe Love. She said she'd spoken to um, a psychotherapist who worked in hospice. And that person knew the nursing staff were struggling when they were starting to lose their empathy, when they were like, I just, I just don't care. So that's one to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously the lethargy, the apathy, like, oh, and those feelings of anxiety and depression. I think it's just one big emotional and physical health crisis. I really do. Um, And the sooner you recognize it, the better. If you're like, oh, I just need to not work this weekend. Oh, I need, you know, the sooner you recognize those symptoms, the less time it's going to take you to recover. Yes. So all the way through to the very end, like I did, it's going to take you a while. I can remember constantly, every day, Googling how long does it take to recover from burnout? There's no answer. <laughs> but I can remember chatting with a woman who had burnt out and she said her doctor had told her it's double the amount of time to recover that it took you to land in burnout. Wow. I can remember going, ooh. And I'm starting to think, yeah, I can That's see true. that now. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. So really look at those signs. Um, and, it, you know, as I say, it's happening to, you know, clever, you know, aspirational people, people who love what they're doing. Um, you know, parental burnout, I think, is going to be a huge one that we're going to see coming through. I, I do wonder the the World Health Organization will be looking into this, I'm sure, without yeah. Yeah. yeah they're onto that um so it's those kind of symptoms and and just not feeling like you're like I couldn't even decide someone said what what would you like to eat for dinner I didn't know what do you like to do you've got you've got an hour to relax what would you like to do I don't know I like I just completely so disconnected yeah. I yeah. love how you said like you you left the vessel like you were mm. out like that's you've nailed it Sarah I wasn't even in my own body yeah um and that's something to really pay attention to so the the embodiment practices the grounding practices meditation journaling therapy tapping walking in nature having connection with friends eating good food sleeping and hydration I'm sure also will help yeah basic stuff are you nourishing yourself or are you numbing yourself? That's mm. a big one I ask myself. Um, and, you know, watch that inner voice, you know, the things you're saying to yourself. Are they true? Are they kind? I bet you they're not. You know, pay attention to that. And I do think, um, you know, the more severe it is, the more you need good professional help um you you can't you know we we tend to hopefully it's changing please tell me it's changing but you know I was brought up in a generation where therapy was um well I was brought up a generation where therapy is you know it's very North American Mm -hmm. and it's for crisis you know big big trauma Yeah. yeah whereas if you are at the point and you listen to this and you're like oh I'm walking towards that like go and chat to a professional they're gonna give you help you look 
at some of the things because I bet you when you look at your plate you don't recognize some of the things yeah um, I had to really look at whose voice this in a narrative actually originally came from and most of the time it's not from ourselves is it never from ourselves never so I had to really look at that and think okay is that true is that kind no <laughs> so shut up <laughs> yeah shush, shush it right now mm-hmm. so, you know, it's doing that. And I think that's what's so amazing about, um, you know, having therapy, seeing the mental health professionals, they can really help you look at that. And there, there, you know, there is absolutely no shame in that. And when you do it, you're showing your kids that this is the right thing. You're showing your coworkers, your friends, you know, we, we give permission to other people to be human. Yeah. Human. Yeah, this just goes back to our self-worth, doesn't it? You know, like if we can identify that something's not right, we can take ownership to reclaim our self-worth. Yes. And taking that those actions, those steps, will show everyone around us that, yeah, we, we take ourselves seriously. We love ourselves. We are so freaking great. Like we should be very grateful to have this human experience that we have, you know, and that we're sat here talking and sharing and being open and honest and vulnerable. Um, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. So many people haven't lived their full lives, you know, and, um, yeah, if we can, if we, if this conversation can just encourage somebody to take a step, one little step that brings them back to themselves that allows themselves to nurture themselves in some way just a little step and then another little step and then another little step and then you're going to feel better absolutely and you know i i don't it's not dramatic burnout is life-threatening like if you do not pay attention it's life-threatening take it from me i was there i never ever thought i would be on that bathtub um and you know all that guilt and shame so when you say we've had a human experience that's really helped me I would say the last six months Mm. kind of um accept what's happened um because you almost grieve a part of yourself that that could achieve so much (laughs) you know that's an interesting one for me um because now I operate very differently um and there was an element of Oh, I used to be such a go-getter. Oh, there's an element of grieving that. that, Yeah, but that go-getter was unhealthy. Yeah, exactly. Um, But your work, like, yeah, you're having a human experience, you know, whatever our souls, whatever your belief, Mm. that was talk about. Because my friend said, you know, it's so interesting. You usually operate and think up here. You became like a a mortal human for a while there. And we laughed. But... (laughs) There's an element of truth there. You're like, oh my gosh, that's such a human experience there. It's all good. Like when we share the stories, when we, you know, put the information out there, as you say, hopefully it's going to land in the lap of someone. Exactly. Then we've 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 done our job. (laughs) Job, darling. Absolutely. And let's yeah, break down the shame. I mean, shame is one of the worst 
energies to hold. So if we can release shame from anyone in any shape or form, then I'd be very happy. <laughs> I know. And it's a man-made emotion. I can remember uh, working mm. with a brilliant psychotherapist at Great Ormond Street, actually. And he was like, it's a man-made emotion. I don't know. We don't need to be going towards that. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we put it on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your honesty, for sharing your story, because like, as we know, the stories heal other people along the way um, and will land in the right ears at the right time. Um, so do. And yeah. I'm so pleased that you are enjoying the uh, the membership as well. It's really lovely to hear. And oh, I've learned so much from you, Sarah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I just love it. I love your tapping groups. I, I just learned so much. It's oh. fascinating. Oh, thank you. That, that fills me up too. Thank you. Um, I will put your a link to your Instagram in the show notes. And, um, and your book is going to be out. When should we pick a publication date? <laughs> should we make this one? I know. I know. Let it's me so see. First uh, of July, twenty twenty-three. There we go. Oh my god! <laughs> we can get pre-orders in now. <laughs> um, and then anyone listening, because you there is that sense of feeling really alone. Um, go listen to the podcast and those those conversations. Yeah. I was going to suggest that. That as well. was something I really needed. I had no interest in medical journals, stats, or any of that. I just wanted to feel like I wasn't the only person struggling, which I wasn't, but you do at the time. So go listen to those other incredible stories of people. Yeah, yeah. I will put them all in the show notes. Thank yeah. you so much, Flick. That was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this chat and have had a few light bulb moments. Have a think about what your key takeaways are. Please do subscribe, follow or leave a rating or a view to help this podcast reach more people. I really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out my website to take my quiz and start ramping up your self-care practices. www.tappingformums.com